Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of Love Grown Cold. And now here is Pastor John with today's message. Three places that we're going to start with. Third chapter of John. 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians and Matthew the 22nd chapter. John 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 13. I'm sorry, 13, 13. And Matthew 22. All right, John 3, 16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He did that for love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it said three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these things is love. Here's the last verse, the last passage I want to look at in Matthew 22. Jesus replied to a question about what the greatest commandment is. And the Lord Jesus said, you have to love, love, not don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law, all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, if you can get love right, all the other stuff is right. Amen. Lord, would you add your blessing, your anointing, your illumination and revelation to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, how important is love? How important is love? What value does God place on love? When you recognize what he said in John chapter 3 and verse 16, that love is the reason Jesus came to earth and died on the cross in the first place. When you recognize what he said in Matthew 22, that love is the way we live out our faith. If you need the shortcut to Christianity, this is it. Love God, love others, love yourself. And then when you recognize what he said in in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that as important as faith is, and as important as hope is, that God says love is more important than those and the greatest of all things, then you just begin to realize how important the love of God is. I think it's safe to say It's impossible to overemphasize the importance of love in the life of a believer and in the heart of God. 
So last week we, we, we preached a message called I Loved You Enough and many of you communicated to me and I saw it in many of your faces just how desperately we need to hear the message of the love of God in our lives. And, and I appreciate that. It's something that we don't talk about enough, apparently. And I want us to look at just a couple more passages today as we continue to explore the subject of love. You're like, John, is this a new series? I don't know. It's just a message about love. So let's just go with that, all right? So I want you to look in Revelation chapter 2. If I'm not mistaken, we started the year. The, this was the text of the first message of 2019. Um, and, and I really believe, I was talking to Robbie about it this week, I think if, if I could connect the dots for you on the different messages that God has pulled on this thread throughout the year, I think you'd be surprised to see uh, how strongly God is trying to, to teach us about love. So this is, uh, this is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You know that not everybody who shows up in the church is who they say they are. Y'all can say amen. It's okay to be real. Verse 3, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen, Jesus said. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Now we're going to come back and talk about that in a few minutes, but I want you to see the last half of this verse, the last statement of Jesus. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. You're like, John, that, that, what, what does that mean? Jesus is dictating a letter through the Apostle John who had been, uh, been exiled to the land of uh, the island of Patmos. He's, he's dictating this letter to the pastor of the church in a city called Ephesus. And in this letter, Jesus commends them on many, many wonderful things that appear to be the hallmarks of good Christian people. I mean, if you found a church that did all of those things today, you would think you hit the jackpot. Like this sounds like a great church, but the biggest point of the letter that Jesus wrote to this pastor was to let them know that their church was on the to be closed list. And, and it wasn't going to be closed by the Roman government. It wasn't going to be closed by some sort of financial mismanagement. It wasn't going to be closed because of the moral failure of the pastor. It was, it was going to be closed because Jesus said, if you don't deal with this particular issue, I'm going to remove the candlestick. What that means is if you read the first chapter, you recognize the symbolism. Jesus is saying, I am going to personally close your church if you don't get this fixed. So what was the issue? Jesus said, you got a love problem. You have a love problem. He said, you're going through the motions of Christianity. From the outside looking in, everything appears to be okay. You're doing a lot of the right things, but love is not your motive. 
you do recognize you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. And he's saying, Jesus is saying, listen, sometimes love is not even an ingredient in what you're doing, much less the main motivation. And he said, you've lost your first love. You've lost the love you had when you first believed, the love you had for me and the love you have for others, and you have got to get it fixed. And if you don't get it fixed, I'm going to close your church down. And the sad reality is when you look back through history, they clearly did not fix the problem and it wasn't long before there was no significant Christian presence in the city of Ephesus. The church got closed. So John, that's that's sad, but what does that have to do with, with us? It means that if we aren't careful, if we're not intentional about monitoring our love level with Jesus, that it'll be very easy for us to, to fall to the exact same fate that Ephesus fell to, to be in the exact same shape, to be living a loveless lie, a pharisaical fraud, where we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. You, you cannot be a true reflection of the heart of God if you're not operating in his love. You can't be God's hands if you don't have his heart because they're inseparable. That's why Jesus was so hard on them. And it's a cautionary tale for all the churches all over the world. So let's, let's stop and put all this together before we get to our key scripture today. Love is at the core of everything God does, right? At the, at the core of everything. And it's so important that he's willing to shut down what appears to be a perfectly good, strong, healthy church. So with that backdrop, let's look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. Matthew 24 and 12, Jesus said, and we're going to go back and pick up the context. We're not just going to snatch this right out of the scripture Um, But this is the key verse. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. Now, Jesus was talking about the last days. It It was a question the disciples asked. And biblically and prophetically speaking, the last days began after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Paul, Peter, James, John, they all anticipated the imminent coming, uh, second coming of Jesus. They thought it was going to be in their lifetime. So the last days started as soon as Jesus ascended to the Father. So we are in the last days. And Jesus, um, Jesus said one of the hallmarks of that period of time, one of the hallmarks of the last days is that the love of many will grow cold or wax cold. The Greek word actually refers to the evaporation process. The love of many, Jesus said, is just going to sort of evaporate. So what Jesus is telling us is that in these last days in which we live, the majority of people will lose their love, but it's going to be so gradual and so subtle, they may not even recognize it's happening. And that's a big deal when you realize just how critical love is to God and for the follower of Jesus. So today's message is is called Love Grown Cold. Love Grown Cold. And I want to challenge you to check the gauge on your your love level. Are you running low on love for God and for other people? Is your love getting cool? 
Has, has your love changed since you became a believer, a follower of Jesus? But I also want us to look at some of the reasons that Jesus gave for why our love cools off in the first place so we can guard ourselves against it and we can reverse the process. So what did Jesus say would cause our love to grow cold? And there are, there are four things. There's, there's really more than four, but in this passage, I just want us to look at four things that uh, I think you'll recognize as something that we deal with today as well. So here's the first of four things, and it, we're going to go back to Matthew 24 and verse 4 and start there. But here's the thing. It's, it's bad news. Bad news is the thing that causes our love to grow cold. I want you to see it. What Jesus said, starting in verse 4, Jesus told him, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear, so check this out, you're going to hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic, Jesus said. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. And then he goes on. Nation will go to war against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines. There'll be earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the, the first of the birth pains with more to come. If you do your research, I, I, I really, really believe that you would find that the drastic increase in the stress and anxiety levels in our culture parallels the rise of technology and the 24-hour news cycle. Bad things have always happened, right? It's not new. Bad things have always happened. The difference is now we find out about every bad thing that happens anywhere in the world, sometimes within moments of them beginning. Earthquakes, wars, violence, famine, crime, <clears throat> catastrophes, all kinds of things happening, and we know about every gory detail of every one of them. I am convinced that at least some of the, the clinical levels of anxiety that we have in our society comes from the fact that we have all this information available to us through technology, but we have no authority and no power to do anything about any of it. We don't really even have the wisdom we don't have the ability to process all that information that's available to us. So we're, we're left wondering, what does it all mean? What are we going to do? Why did it happen? How, how are we going to respond? So it just keeps us tied up in knots. We know too much about the weather <laughs> and about world events and about potential terrorist threats and about, we know too much about too much. Jesus said in the last days, you're going to hear about all this bad news, but then he urges them not to panic. Well, guess what? It's too late. We're already panicking. As a culture, as a society, we are pretty much on the verge of a panic attack at any given moment. Now, this is going to sound like, seem like for a second that I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit, but I'll, I'll, I'll run the rabbit back to the main trail in just a second, all right? What was the first sin? Please don't say it out loud, and please don't talk about an apple, because that ain't in there, all right? Leave the apples alone. First sin was eating from the fruit of the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. 
And what did the enemy tell them about it? He said, hey, don't worry about what he said, what God said, because it's going to make you like God. You eat this fruit, you're going to be like God. Well, just like the enemy, there's a grain of truth in it, followed by a whole world of hurt. Because we are approaching, with all the technology that we have, with all the connectedness we have, we are approaching a divine level of information that we have to process. Okay? And so that part is true. But what the devil didn't tell us is that we are not made, we were not created to bear up under the weight of the knowledge of all of this good and evil that happens in the world. So we start, we start to blame God for not fixing it all. God, why did you allow this to happen? And we, or or we, we ask him, why, why can't you fix it? Why did you allow it to happen in the first place? We get overwhelmed in all the details, all the constant barrage of information. That, and we get so overwhelmed by it that we don't have time to spend on our relationship with God. We don't have time to pray kingdom-minded, big-picture prayers because our prayer life is consumed with praying for, sincerely, I might add, but praying for every news story that we follow during the day. So if our, and so while we, we do that, our love is just growing colder and colder, story by story and tragedy by tragedy because it's chipping away at our reservoir of love and the temperature of that love because we're just so overwhelmed and distracted by all the bad news. It causes our love to grow cold, Jesus said. Here's the second thing in verse 10. Jesus said this, it's hurt. Hurt causes our love to grow cold. In verse 10, he said it this way, and many will turn away from me. Notice that that language, will turn away from me And then what will they do? They'll betray and hate each other. Turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Now this harkens back some to the the bad news category. Because what happens when we get filled up with bad news? We, We turn away from God. We turn away. Why do we do that? Because we're mad at Him. We're offended at Him for allowing all that stuff and for all this stuff, all that, all that happens. It, it's a, and, and, and Jesus said we turn away from it. That is a universal, nonverbal clue that you're offended is when you turn away. Christy's a kindergarten teacher. I promise you, you go to her, her class at any given moment, you're going to see one of them kindergarten kids with their little lips pushed out, their arms folded, and they're, and they're turned away from whoever they're mad at at the moment. And guess what? It's not just in kindergarten classes that it happens. It happens in churches every Sunday. Because y'all don't just watch me. I'm watching y'all too. And I can tell because sometimes I'm thinking, ooh, that was a rough ride to church this morning because y'all come in and you be sitting sideways with each other because you feel sideways with each other. That's, it's a natural nonverbal response. You're upset. So you've turned away from each other because of the pain of continuing the relationship is too much to face in that moment. When you get offended, you turn away. You get hurt, you pull back. And then what happens? Well, we learned this in the heart attack series. Hurt people do what? They hurt people. You get offended with God or you get beat up by life. And Pastor Robbie had it nailed this morning. Sometimes life's just hard. It just drains you. 
You know, so you get, you get beat up by your life or, or you get like Luke four says, the foundation of the heart attack series that we just finished. Well, you get crushed by the tragedies, the trials and the traumas of this life. And then what do you do? You, then you betray people, you harm other people, you hate the people around you, which causes them to get hurt. And then the cycle repeats itself in another life. The more you get hurt, the more your love evaporates. The more you hurt somebody else, the more your love evaporates until all of a sudden your love has grown cold. And it happens just as much to the people in the church as it does to the people outside the church, if not more so because the enemy targets people who are trying to be a part of the body of Christ. And so he, he targets you with offensive behavior from the human people around you, and it gets, us, it gets us to a point where our love has grown cold. So could it be, could it be that our hearts are so wounded that we can't love God, we can't love each other, we can't even love ourselves with the passion and the heat that God expects us to? So bad news and hurt. Here's the third reason that Jesus lays out that sometimes our love grows cold, and that is deception. Deception. And it's in verse 11. So let's look at that together. Jesus said, many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. False prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Now listen, we're not talking about people. We're not talking about other religions to follow. These are false prophets under the guise of Christianity. Jesus said in, another, in a previous verse that the people will come in my name claiming to be the Messiah. They'll be claiming to be from Jesus or claiming to be Jesus. These are expressions of supposedly Christianity. So t- deception and false teaching causes us to fall in love with a Jesus that doesn't even exist. You can't have a real love with a fake person. The more you fall for the fake Jesus, the less you love the real one. The more you fall for a fake Jesus, the less you love the real one. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. If you fall in love with prosperity, Jesus, you'll have no patience for the Jesus who calls us to take up our cross and follow him on a road of sacrifice and selflessness. If you fall in love with the anything goes, Jesus, where you just get to, you pray the prayer, you shake the hand, you sign the card, and then you just get to live however you want to live and do whatever you want to do. If you fall in love with anything goes, Jesus, you're really going to learn to hate the Jesus who says, keep my commandments. If you fall in love with the Greek mythology version of Jesus, where he's more like Zeus, where he like sits on a throne somewhere up high, and he's just mad at everybody, and he's slinging lightning bolts at everybody for everything, you fall in love with that Jesus, you're really going to hate the Jesus who preaches a message of biblical grace and truth. A Jesus who opens his arms and says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You understand, false teaching changes our perceptions and our understanding of the real Jesus. And there is so much false teaching, 
So much stuff that happens in pulpits that have nothing to do with the real Word of God. And there's so many misconceptions or just outright heresy in the world today. And again, because of technology, we got access to every bit of it. Like, used to, if there's some wacko on the backside of Portland that decides to start a cult, you got to live in Oregon to find out about him. Like, you have to grow your own whack-a-moles. Now you can stream their services live in your pajamas in Felton. Right? So you, we, now we, do we have access through the gospel to send the gospel all around the world? Yes, but we're sending all the other mess around the world too. So now you can, you can, you can choose a different heresy every week. You can be deceived by somebody new every week if you want to. It accelerates the spread of the deception. And Jesus said it would happen in the last days and it would be so prevalent that it would cause the love of many people to grow little by little cold. And then here's the fourth thing. And it's something that, that is not a welcome word in most churches today or many churches today. And that's sin. Sin. And I want to show it to you in verse 12. We actually already read it. I want to show it to you again. Sin will be rampant. The words of Jesus, not my words. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Now, depending on what version you're reading, some of the versions translate it uh, and assign a, a clear cause and effect. Some of the versions actually say because lawlessness or sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It's not popular to say anymore, but, but allowing yourself to be entangled in sin again after Jesus died to set you free will adversely affect your relationship with Jesus. Let me just break it down for you. Sin will kill your relationship with Jesus. And it sounds really terrible to say, but... Part of the reason that most people are so unconcerned about sin in their lives is because the payday is so far removed from the action. I mean, think about it. Romans says the wages of sin is death, right? Everybody knows how to quote that. The wages of sin is death. The problem is when you do the deed, payday is unfortunately sometimes a long way down the road. You don't drop dead immediately, right? We all believe the wages of sin is death, but you commit a sin, you don't just die, right? It, nothing seems to happen. Nothing really seems to even change in your relationship with God. You're tempted to go, huh, I still, I, I can still come to church. I'm still worshiping. I'm still, hmm. So maybe this sin thing's not that big a deal. The problem is it's, it's subtle. It happens little by little. The temperature keeps going down, but it's not plummeting. It's not like in Colorado last week where it fell like 62 degrees in 24 hours. I mean, you notice that, right? It's not like that. It inches down little by little. I mean, if we had some more Ananias and Sapphira events in, in the church, we'd see the connection a little more clearly between sin and death. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, in the book of Acts chapter 5, there's an account of two of a couple, a husband and wife, who lied in the church to the church leaders about something, and they dropped dead 
on the spot like they toted their bodies down the aisle and buried them outside. I mean, talk about an altar call. I mean, that's, that's a heck of an altar call right there. I promise you some spontaneous repentance was going on in that place. Now, I'm not asking, Lord, I'm not asking that you bring it back. Right? I'm just saying. Sometimes we get a little fuzzy on the connection. So many people are deceived by sin because its effects aren't immediate, but it doesn't mean they're not real. There are real effects that happen. We have believers who claim the name of Jesus and may sit in churches on Sunday, but who spend all week in sin pursuing whatever it is that crosses their mind, whatever they want to do. Lying, cheating, stealing, hating each other, partying, getting drunk, racism, adultery, pornography, pride, arrogance, the list just goes on. And then they come into church and and, and we wonder why the Holy Spirit doesn't just wrap his arms around us and make us feel warm and fuzzy. Because we've offended him. We've grieved the Holy Spirit by the way we live. A good definition of sin is anything that offends the character and nature of God. When we treat his children badly, he's upset about it. And the more we continue to be offensive to him, the more the love in our relationship grows cold. Why is that? Because our actions are revealing our hearts. If we really loved him, we wouldn't do the things that offended him. Instead, we allow sin to continue and our love for him just continues to evaporate. Love grown cold. So what do we do about it? It seems to be the logical next question. Well, in Revelation chapter 2, and we read that just a few minutes ago, Revelation 2, Jesus tells us, he said, repent. Repent. When you recognize any of these things operating in your life, you have to repent. Repentance is not a bad news message. Repentance is a good news message because repentance is the vehicle through which Jesus restores us to right relationship with him. He, if our relationships messed up with Jesus, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, in a, in a marriage or a friendship or a family, it's likely that both of you had some problem, some part in destroying the relationship or causing some pr- problem in the relationship. That's not the way it is with Jesus. He never does anything wrong. So if there's a problem, guess who the problem is? And so you have to just say, you have to own it and repent and then change. Stop doing the things that we used to do, the, the, the things that we were accustomed to doing that got us in this condition in the first place. So you have to repent. And then Jesus said, repeat your first works. Do the things that you did when you first fell in love with Jesus. Like, well, John, what is is that? I, I don't understand. You do the same thing you did when you first fell in love with that with that guy or that girl in your life. You know, well, I've never been in love. Have you ever been in the movies? Have you ever watched a movie? So think about that. Okay? So from Tuesday will be the 33rd anniversary of mine and Valerie's first date. Aww. Um, can you believe that? October 22nd, 1986, we went to Western Sizzlin um, by Lake Carroll 
in Carrollton. And I, man, I came off the hip for it too. I mean, that meal must have cost me nearly $15. Quit, oh, quit getting all that giggling over there, woman. Um, yes, yeah, hush. Um, McDonald's was right across the street. That's where we wound up most of the time. And then, and then you know, I, I, I really sprung for it on this day. You know what we did after we went to the Sizzlin', and I probably got a hamburger at the Sizzlin'? Um, we went to my house in Clem, and we watched reruns of MASH that I had recorded off of our newfangled VCR. Um, we were good at that stuff too, man. The, the lights, the, the time wasn't even flashing. We had the right time on our VCR. We so smart in our house. We could, we could set the time. And, and, and guess what? Valerie don't even like MASH. She just liked me. And, well, at least she said she did. She went, so there you go. You deserve what you get now, baby. Um, but we were, we were newly in love, right? So you, did, you do what you do when you're newly in love. You, you don't care what you do or where you do it. You just want to spend every waking moment together, learning everything there is about each other. You want to communicate with each other all the time, which, of course, was either write a note and leave it under my windshield wiper at work or talk on the little curly Q phone thing that's the only way we could communicate if we weren't at church together, right? But that's what you did. You did whatever it took to communicate because you love each other. It's when you allow familiarity to stop your curiosity, that's when love starts to grow cold in a relationship. When you allow your familiarity to kill your curiosity, You've been together a little while, so now you're not curious about the other person. You, you think you know everything there is to know about the other person. You spent some time together. You think you've experienced everything already, so you're not as desperate for their company as you used to be. So what do we do about it if our love for God has grown cold? How do we change that? You start spending time together again. You start getting to know each other Again, you start getting curious about God again. Start communicating again and getting to know Him. Be around Him. Be around His people. Serve in His name and on His behalf. You take the attitude that two people in love have. I don't care what we're doing. I don't care where we're going. As long as we're going together, I'm in. And that's what you have to do with your relationship with the Lord. So if you're mad at him, you can't make up without talking. So start talking to him. He already knows you're mad at him. Why? Because you're turned away. He wants you to turn back. If you've been injured by somebody else, then you need to talk to him about it because Jesus is the expert on being injured by other people. He was hit, spit on, Battered, bruised, betrayed, denied, crucified, and buried. He knows a thing or two about pain. If you've allowed sin to creep back in your life, then repent and stop doing it. Make it right in the relationship. You do what you do when it's the person you care most about in the world. You say, but John, listen, my, I mean, I think you're right. My love has grown cold. I, I just don't have those feelings towards God anymore. What, what do I do? Well, who told you to listen to your feelings? Do you feel like going to work every day? No, but you do it anyway. 
Wait a minute. Do y'all feel like going to work every day? Some of y'all look a little questionable about that. Like you just pop out and just pop up and go, woo, it's work day. Not every day. You go anyway, right? You like, do you just feel like taking care of your kids every day? You're like, yes, another three loads of laundry and 27 dishes in the sink. Fantastic. Y'all do that like every day? Y'all do that any day? Because that's weird. You do that. No, but you do it anyway. This is a faith walk. And Jesus already told us where your treasure is, there your heart will be. We misquote that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Your feelings follow what you value. So lead your heart to where it needs to be by valuing and prioritizing and treasuring your time in your relationship with God. And I promise you, your feelings will follow. They'll come around. It took time for the heat to evaporate. It's going to take time for it to warm back up. But it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. You see how important the message of love is? It's vital. It's vital. Pastor Robbie and I talk about it a lot. And we talk about the importance of falling in love with Jesus. And we say, if we could just, if we could preach one message and everybody get it, that would change everything. It's that message to fall in love with Jesus. See, we preach about sin and we should, we have to, but if we could all just fall in love with Jesus, we would hate sin and never allow it in our lives. We, we preach about not hurting each other and we should. But if we loved each other, we'd never consider hurting anybody else on purpose. And if we realized we did it unintentionally, we would immediately apologize. We wouldn't defend ourselves. We would immediately apologize and try to restore the relationship. We preach about deception, and we should because it's running rampant. But if we love Jesus enough to get to know him, we'd never be fooled by the counterfeit. And we worry about all the bad news, but if we love Jesus enough, we would recognize that it's not our responsibility to change it or figure it out, just to lay it at his feet and trust him to come up with a solution. See, I think most of us are are, are tempted to say, listen, John, I, I think I would know if my love were growing cold. I'd know that, and I would I would catch it before it got too far. Eh, maybe not. I think sometimes we give ourselves too, cre- too much credit, right? So did anybody, did anybody see the sky Friday night? Did y'all see the sky? Y'all poke your head out every once in a while? Yeah, the, the sky Friday night was ridiculous. So throw, the, throw some pictures up here. Incredible. Just scroll through them wherever, whatever. Just, just incredible pictures. I, I took these at my house um, because I was just overwhelmed. It was just gorgeous uh, but it was nothing compared to what it looked like like three minutes before that. I had to drop Corinne off somewhere, and I was on the way back, and I passed another. I passed this church, not, not this church, a different church, and the, the sky was just on fire behind it. And I almost stopped and took a picture, but I was like, yeah, I'll take a picture when I get to the house. And it wasn't three minutes later, and I almost missed it. Like it was almost done by the time I got home. How did that happen? Did y'all hear on the news that sunset was faster on Friday than it was any other day? No. The problem is it gets dark little by little by little. 
We forget that by the time the sun reaches its apex, then the whole rest of the day is getting darker. We just don't notice it. It'd been happening for hours. It was just happening so slowly, so gradually, that I hadn't realized it until it was almost too late to even get a picture. Do you think your love, you think our love is any different? You think we're going to catch the sunset before it gets dark? Nah. Nah. So don't take the chance. Don't take the chance. Don't let your love grow cold. It's time to get closer to the fire. No matter what the temperature is, it's time to get closer to the fire. You can't have a meaningful relationship with Jesus if your love's grown cold. So check the level and check the temperature of your love. Be honest about what might be causing it and what you can do about it. And whatever you have to do, fall in love with Jesus again. It's important. Maybe the most important thing in the Word. Won't you stand with me, please? So listen, we're going we're gonna to close this service the way we close almost all of our services. And this altar is, is open. I'm going to pray a prayer together. And then um, they're going to come and sing another song. And so for the length of whatever that song is, take that as sacred time. Take it as a time where you can set aside four minutes and let God talk to you, where you can just quiet all the noise. You, you, you're going to be fine. You're going to get out in plenty of time to go eat and then do whatever you got to do the rest of the day. But for the next few minutes, would you just set all of that stuff aside and listen to what the Lord might be saying to you? Because sometimes it's hard to catch the sunset, especially if you're not paying attention. So let's pay attention for the next few minutes. And then, and then if you want to come and pray either about in response to this message or if you want to pray about anything that's going on in your life. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.